0: Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative estites, and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in. Hey, welcome back.
1: This is Erica. And today I am in San Casciano in the Dolomites, um, in the mountains, in the very, very north of Italy. And I'm very excited because I'm sitting here with Norbert Niederkopfler, who is from the area. And we, <laughs> he's giving me the thumbs up because before I, I, my pronunciation was extraordinarily off and I'm so happy that it's on. <laughs> um, I'm introducing Norbert because uh, I've been fascinated by what for a long time what he's done, and what he's done is something completely different from a lot of chefs. Uh, it's called cook the mountain. So he came to this beautiful hotel Rosalpina in 1994, and you were saying you had it was a pizzeria.
2: It was a pizzeria, yes.
1: And then you know you took a direction in fine dining that nobody was taking because you know back in the day, 20, 25 years ago, fine dining meant you were getting the very best ingredients from. All over. So you know, if you wanted that amazing fish, you were getting it from Japan. You know, you're getting the very best ingredients from all over the world. While instead, Cook the Mountain is all about investing in what is found on this mountain. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about that.
2: Well, uh, we did the same. We were flying in everything. We were using products from all over the world, and uh, just the best was good enough. And uh, in this way, we achieved to in two thousand. For the first Michelin star in 2007, the second Michelin star. And we were the first restaurant in the northern parts of Italy, and especially in the mountains with uh, two stars.
1: And And by the way, everybody should know, we're in a town of, I think, what, 500 people, correct?
2: 500 people, yes. So so that's,
1: I mean, amazing. The the single Michelin star is amazing. (laughs) And then it became two.
2: Well, you know, it's... uh, I was... I mean, outside, uh, when, when the place is closed here, because we have uh, two seasons, so out season I was working always around the world. So I was traveling around the world. I was working for a long, long time in New York. I, was, uh, I still have a lot of friends and still now traveling a lot. And so you see what's going on around the world. And uh, in 2007, the restaurant was famous for uh, foie gras, 90% every night in the appetizer. Oh. And we were famous for sea fish flying in from all over the world, uh, around 100, 150 kilos per week. And then uh, we got the second star and I said, well, I mean, this is not what I want to do in the future. And so I, I started to talk to my customers, I started to ask what they expect when they come here, what they, what they feel, to the, what they wanted to see, what they wanted to eat. And so in 2008... I wrote the concept of Cook the Mountain. Until today, I didn't change one word. So it's still the same concept. It's, it was written there. I mean, I was really working on this one for over a year. And uh, so today you can use it and it's the same. The idea there was it, it was uh, in the mind was very easy, but uh, to do it was very complicated because you had to, to, to make the farmers understand what do you want to do, to make the farmers understand where you want to go. And so the only reason the only the only good thing for me was or the only possibility for me to, to do this is was to cut off everything in the middle so to cut off all the suppliers and we go directly so there's no middleman anymore and we go directly to the producer we go directly to the farmers and we go like we give them the money which usually a middleman has so they have more money and we can start we could uh, start to work with them
1: and it's all farmers, all producers from this area.
2: We work today with around fifty, forty to fifty farmers. Well, it's uh, it's nice until now, but now it's it starts to get very complicated because uh-huh. we have we are not using any citrus because on one thousand seven hundred meters over the sea level there is no citrus. Right. So we had to find acidity. We buy the whole animals. We never buy just. Uh, pieces we buy the whole animals so we had to use everything and we had to learn how to use everything and we had to learn how to deal everything we are not working with any olive oil so we had to find a substitute because on 1700 meters there's no olive oil growing
1: so what's a substitute
2: this this is a very complex story and it's very Mm -hmm. very and for us today the three pillars which uh, we are working on is number one is mountain Number two is season, because there's no greenhouses involved. So obviously there's no vegetable coming out of a greenhouse. And the number three is no waste. This is very important for us. And so we we started and it was really people didn't understand what we want to do, where we want to go. But for us, it was very clear. So we had to learn to deal with nature. We had to find farmers on different altitudes. Because you know, like uh, when you start in May, when you start up here last year, in May in San Cassiano, we had around half a meter of snow. So there was nothing growing. So we had to find farmers close to Merano, Bolzano, that area, which is much lower and which is much different temperature. Then you have to, to switch around with the farmers. No greenhouses means that you have to separate your production in different places because if you have all in one place, you have hail in one place, right, and it's, no, it's all gone. This is one thing then with the farmers you have to to think in a totally different way. You have to tell them in winter time what we need for the whole next year because in winter time they do all the the small seeds they do them by themselves. We tell them we need around this 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 so in in spring they have to to work the whole winter doing this, and then in spring they can plant the products, but we never know what we what comes in when it comes in and how we can use it. So you have maybe today when you work with carrots, we have around 25, 30 different types of carrots during the year because we need spring carrots, we need summer carrots, we need fall carrots, and we need autumn carrots, which we can maintain, preserve in winter time in the sand, in the cellar, like they used to do it in the old, old days. The problem is with uh, fresh products, you know, you had to, like with tomatoes, we have tomatoes up here, but we never know when they come in. So can they come in in summer in July? Can they come in in the end of July? Can it depends on the weather. So, but then you have the problem that it's maybe today one kilo, tomorrow one kilo. Then you have a hundred kilos. Then you have two hundred kilos, and you have to learn how to deal it and how to store it. So you have to learn the whole process.
1: So just so when you you said that you got your Michelin star in two thousand and seven, and it was two thousand and eight when you were you spent the year working on this project, yes. I mean, that must have been an incredible transition then, because as you were saying, you have to learn how to store this. You have to learn how to deal with, you know, a surprise bumper crop and a small, you know, and, and it, I would assume that means that...
2: It took me four to five years. Yeah. Four to five years to learn, to understand, to make the farmers understand what we are doing. We have to understand what the farmers are doing, because, you know, the farmers, when you tell them, okay, I need, I need meat, I need uh, filet, and they said, OK, what i am going to do with the rest? So you have to think about, you have to change the menu, because you have to use post parts, you have to use everything. And uh, so you have to learn, you have to make prosciutto by yourself, you have to do this, then in summertime you cannot make prosciutto because it's too hot, you have to make it in wintertime because you store it outside. And so it's, 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 it's a completely, I mean, it's nothing new, because it was done in the old days because the the farmers in the old days, they had to work like this because they had to to do the mise en place in summertime because otherwise they were running out of products in wintertime. And so this was was very interesting. And and it was uh, for us in the beginning very, very difficult to make the customers understand what we are doing. So we had to learn to work with the service. So now we have a a really good connection between service because usually you say all the service and kitchen is not, not going along so well. But we go along very well and we have uh, we do every day two meetings we do one meeting in the morning we do one meeting in the evening with the service and with the kitchen and the storytelling has to do the service
0: mm-hmm. they
2: have to tell but we are not telling any stupid stories all what we say we do so there's there's nothing and all those all this step the next step the next step the next step helped us to get Really closer, closer, closer to the 100% point where we are really sustainable, where we 100% sustainable. We are now around 90, 95%. So we can really say we are more than 95, 10, or 90 now. But we can really say it's it's uh, it's a really complex story. And uh, you know, with the olive oil, we had to find a substitute for olive oil. Because we need some oil. We needed some oil. And then we found grapeseed oil. And grapeseed oil for oh. us is perfect because it has no color and no taste. So in the summertime when you have the wild herbs, because when you work without greenhouses, you have the wild herbs. And when they are ready, they are ready.
1: So you're doing a lot of foraging.
2: Yes. And so then you can, do, you can keep them for two, three days. But you have always a huge amount of wild herbs when they are really starting. And then in this way now we can do oils ah. out of it. So we do... Uh, we do a basil oil, we do a mint oil, we do a verbena oil. And the base of a neutral oil helps us that we can really do a verbena oil. Because when you have an olive oil, the verbena is always, the olive oil is much stronger than verbena. And so we can do very delicate oils. So we can also maintain again this one, so the no, no waste concept goes further and further and further.
1: Can I ask you? I have two questions that just popped in my head. So, one about the oils: Are you also doing like a lot of what they call an Italian sotoli, like with the vegetables that are then kept sotoli?
2: Some, some of the vegetables. Yes, we have to do some of the vegetables. A lot of next problem: no citrus.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: we have to do to, to to look for acidity. Acidity you can make in the in the dishes all with wine. Or you can do it with uh, with vinegar. But uh, wine you smell, you taste the alcohol, and with the vinegar it's too aggressive. And so we had to, to find another solution. And we started to do fermentation. So we started in 2008 to doing fermentation. We realized that fermentation in this area was an old habit.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And now we can produce acidity as much as we want. So we do we do uh, like a mugnaia, yeah? which is a very classic Italian dish with, with a sauce made out of citrus.
1: Trout, munaya so, Okay, so that's, that's trout for everybody. Trout,
2: <laughs> yes, and uh, those days we do the the, the sauce with the yellow plums, and it's acidity like like a lemon, but the acidity is totally different, and, and it uh, it doesn't it doesn't go away. It, you know, you have it in, in in your mouth, and it goes doesn't go too long down, so it's also good for the wine. Then we had a big problem with the plums. We had uh, huge amounts of plums in the house and we didn't know what to do with this anymore. So we started to fermentate them. We set them up, up like a tomato sauce. And then it tasted like tomato ketchup. But oh. without using onions, without using uh, tomato base, nothing, it's just the fermented plums. So now we use the, the fermented plums cooked in this way. As Mrs. Carpito is a... Uh, bruschetta with, uh, with, uh, with tomato. We write it you on know, tomato question mark. We serve this tomato base or this uh, plum base for the kids as tomato ketchup. And the big difference is, I mean, kids love it because it's a little bit sweet on the end from the fruity taste, but the big difference is on one kilo of tomato ketchup, you have from four to 600 grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. In the fermented diplomas, you have not one gram of sugar.
0: Ah, wow.
2: So this is, you know, you see, you learn when you learn how to deal. But, you know, it's always very important that you, uh, you're not the number one. The number one is nature. So you have to learn to deal with nature. And you have to really, as a chef, you have to, stay, take a, uh, to take a step back and that, not to take you for too serious, but you have to have a very classic pace. Because otherwise you cannot do it so like we are not doing any sous cooking anymore all the sous cooking is gone we're all doing open fire cooking and we use all the pieces so and this is which which brought us to a point where we can really run a three mission star restaurant without using any products which are not around us
1: so earlier before i hit record <laughs> you were saying we were talking you were talking about the third Michelin star you got it in 2017 and you were saying this was kind of a big, This, I mean, aside from being a big deal in general, but this was in particular a big deal because this was not, you know, the ingredients that you're using, your whole philosophy is, you know, what do we call it? Like um, out of the, a little bit out of the box for the traditional Michelin kind of guidelines, so okay. to speak. I'd love to hear a little bit more on that.
2: Well, there was a lot of people that said to us, "Hey, listen, stop this thing because otherwise you're going to lose the second star. So watch out what you're doing. But I was very convinced because I was talking to our guests for a long, long time. And so we were, I'm still an old-fashioned guy, so I write everything by hand with a steel, and I love it. And so I can remember things much, much, much more, much better. And uh, I was asking questions. I asked people from America, what do you expect when you come here? Well you want this, 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 this. Okay. I wrote it down and then then I read it the question and and by myself I was really fed up of flying around the world and at the end of the day, eating in ninety percent of the restaurants, always the same products because every product in every restaurant in the world uses foie gras, every restaurant uses lobster, uses caviar, uses, uses turbo, and it's all the same. It's a in pigeon in, in in the main course, so it's always the same, and I was really fed up of doing this. I said, this this cannot be the... I mean, why are we flying around the world to, to eat always the same food? It doesn't make any sense. And so for me, this was clear. I said... Uh, I had a meeting with my chefs. I said, hey, listen, there's a lot of... Uh, Rumours around, there's a lot of things around, they say, we should stop this. And I said, we did a meeting in the evening, I said, you think about it, tomorrow morning we are going to sit down and we are going to take a decision, what we are doing, if we are going back, or if, for me it was always clear. But for me it was very, very important that the team decided to go there, because otherwise by myself I cannot do it. And so for me, it was very important that the team, and I have all young chefs, so like my sous chef, he's with me for seven years now, and he's now 28 years old.
0: Oh, wow. He's really young. Yes,
2: yes. He's now twenty, he started here with twenty-one years. So he he saw the whole changing and he saw everything what what, what I did in that year. And you know, you have to they have to be one hundred percent convinced about what they're doing. And they tell them always, hey, listen guys, this is your this is your future. Well they have to live
1: the philosophy, yeah. I'm
2: 60 years old, so I I'm thinking also on retiring some days. But you know, it's it's for them because this is and we are working now on a book which comes out this fall. Which is going to be called uh, cook the mountain the nature around you, so we are doing four hundred pages on a coffee table book
0: mm-hmm.
2: we just did things what we are doing you know we show everything we we have a huge part in the book are going to be the producer because the producer are going to be the stars for the future and uh and it's all printed on apple paper because since uh we started we cooked them out we print all the menus on apple paper so which is 100% recycled paper from the waste of the apples we do all the cover outside is done by apple leather so it's a it's a leather which is 100% recycled by the waste of the, of the apple And so it's, it's
0: vegan
2: yes it's all it's all like this it's all it's a totally uh, as i said the 360 concept
0: you
1: know, speaking of 360 concepts, you were telling me. So this morning I, I, I skied, which was a big deal for me, and I went to the top of Plastikaron. I think it is, and I saw Lumen. I didn't get a chance to go inside. When I came here, I'm, when I was talking to Hugo, he told me that your restaurant is there.
0: Yes.
1: And you briefly mentioned that it's not just cook the mountain, which is your philosophy on cooking. It's it's not just the restaurant. It's the whole. It's not just the food. It's the entire concept of the restaurant. And I'd love to know. A little bit more about that well
2: you know when I mean, they asked me three or four years ago I, I was first talking with hugo and hugo said okay you do it because i was for me it was important that he agreed and uh, then i went to the to the owners and they they asked me if i was interested in this i said yes but i want to do it with my own designer if you let me do this yes otherwise i'm not doing it because in plan de coronis you have on one side uh zahadit and she did uh, oh, the. Ah, Museum, yeah. Yes, she did the last museum before she passed away. Is up there. Is with uh, Reinhard Messner inside, and then in the museum where we are it's called uh, the Museum of the Mountain Photography, so which is very interesting for us. And uh, when they agreed that I can take my designer, so uh, I was I started to work with Martino Gampa, He's a long friend. He was already before a long time, uh, long time friend of mine. He's from Merano. And he lives in London and he became famous in London with a project which is called 100 Days, 100 Chairs with the Waste of London. So he was walking around in London for 100 days and just what he found on the the streets, he was doing 100 chairs. And he got nominated as one of the most important sustainable designers in the world. Then when we had the first meeting, I said to him, hey, listen, Martino, there's two things which are very important for me. Number one is I would like to have a living room in the mountain. So acoustic is got a huge important and it's very difficult because you sit in a glass house. And the second time the second thing was, what you was, uh, had to consider is to have the philosophy of Cook the Mountain in the design. So to use local products, local uh, producers, local handcrafts, all people from, from that area. And he was working on rendering, so he took all the philosophy of the mountain living rooms worldwide. So from South America, North America, Canada, Nordic countries, uh, Japan, China, and he took the ideas out of there. And then he did an amazing job because the, the ceiling was all done by Mesmer, which is one of the oldest manufacturers for Loden in the world, and it's in Brunico. Ah. And it was done with the Japanese corn painting technique so that you don't polish the water when you when you do the colouring. So the long stripes are all done on the loom by hand. Then the colour which was not taken fell down on the wool and the, this, the, the, the stripes going in on the other side. So you have 330 square metres of panels and there's not one the same as the other one so it's all single pieces then we have 220 meters of tracks where we can put the lamps the lamps are made in an old traditional way with uh, with uh, the outside of the lamp is uh, lamp is uh, pork belly it's like a bergamain, oh. but it's made out of pork belly like in, it's a traditional thing then all the chairs and all the all the tables are single pieces it's all wood from this area and it's all made by handcrafts from this area so there's everything and it's all single pieces but you can put them together and when you put them together and you do a long table, the outside looks like a mountain. Then we have a hack under every chair for the helmet so that in wintertime you can put the helmet, helmet. on the hack, because I said I don't want to have any water in here. So it's it's absolutely so no you just... way. Yes, because the, you, when you sit on the right side you have the Alps in front of you. mm mm-hmm. And then on the left side, so you have to see on the other side of the of the restaurant, you have the Dolomites. When you sit on the left side, you have the Dolomites in front of you, and you have to see because this is the two most important mountains in Alto Adige: the Alps on one side and the Dolomites on the other side. They are totally different mountains because the Alps are higher, they have a lot of glacier. They are two thousand four, two thousand five hundred meters, and I'm born there, and it's it's Italy. And on the other side, you have the beautiful Dolomites, which is amazing. So, you,
1: the whole the whole landscape is a UNESCO World Heritage. Yes, and yes, actually I just want to I just want to tell everyone I that um, you know you probably might have caught his name as sounding a German where you're you were born you're from the area of Brunico. I'm born in this area. Yes. Which sound, which is Italian but um, it's a, a German speaking area. And well, so we have
2: three languages. We have in 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 Südtirol Alto Adige we have three languages. We have uh, 60% German speaking. We have 30% Italian-speaking and we have 10% Latin-speaking. So Latin is the area, San Cassiano, Dolomites, it's all Latin-speaking. Then uh, just the big cities is Italian-speaking, the rest is all German-speaking. But, you know, the beautiful thing for our kids, they grow up with two and three languages. Yeah. Because every language is teached in the school.
1: I was actually Hugo was telling me that um, you know he said his, his youngest daughter when she goes to school you know each day the clown is a different color and that means the language of the day
0: yeah
1: which is I mean it's incredible because it's it's totally uh, they're they're polyglots here you know polyglots because you're speaking multiple languages but you know I think a lot of people when they hear Italy they don't they don't really know that Italy has here in the Dolomites or in in the Tirol is a mix of different languages or and a mix of different ethnicities to some degree, you know, yeah. the, the Ladino, the Italian, the German. Um, and
2: we have, uh, this is autonomy, so city will get autonomy, uh, 90, 90, 90% of the tax we pay, they come back to our Adige. so we have our own school system, we have a different, it's always based on Italy, but then we have.
0: That's why uh, everything works things. here. <laughs> well,
2: yes, and it's, it's all organized by this area, so we are quite happy, we are, we are in, a, in, a, in, a, in a really good position. And so I went on with this. Then the floor was made like the old stube, which is uh, was uh, made out of. Oh, the stube is like the first the uh, um, the place, the camino, right? Yes.
1: Fireplace. No, it's, no. It's
2: this. Yeah, well, yes. But you know, stube means for us is the is the most important place in a farmhouse. Oh,
1: like a hearth.
2: Yes. 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 And uh, the floor was made in the old tradition. So it's a floating floor. And oh you have all old wood and now we have ready to go on with uh, ski boots for 2-3 years. Then it gets really nice because then it's like an old farmhouse. Oh, wow. And then there's one stone in there, the stone is all serpentine, which is a local stone. So it's all in this way then. Uh, food is anyway, so you can stay there in the middle of the restaurant, and you can point a finger to where the where the vegetable comes from, where the butcher is, where the guy the handcraft is who did the chairs, where the guy is who did the tables, where the guy is who did the floor, where the wood comes from from the floor, where the stone comes from. So you stay there, and you have everything under your feet, and so this is quite interesting. And also with the drinks, we were we were doing. Uh, so we are not serving Coca-Cola. We are not serving Fanta. We are just serving local apple juice, uh, grape juice, all stuff like that. And uh, also the wine list is uh, is uh, main all from Alto Adige. And we have uh, the biggest problem for me was the water, because we had did the calculation. I did calculation that I had to bring up 30, 35,000 bottles of water for the winter time with the trucks,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then to bring them down again in spring. And they said, I'm not going to do this. And so now we are using the local water, so it's a source close by, and we are using that water. And in Sotirol, by law, the water what you use for making snow has to be drinkable. Oh, uh, the
1: ones when they... when they... they when, when they... When, out it, yes. Right?
2: has to be drinkable because then when it melts, it goes anywhere in the soil, and so you get it again in the, in the water. And so we use the water from there. We clean it, we filter it, we mineralize it, we sell it, but we give 50 cent per liter in a sustainable project in uh, in drilling for, for water in Africa. Oh, wow. So it's all...
1: Can I, can I ask a quick question? What's the men- Is there a menu difference between here and there?
2: No, it's cooked the Mountain. It's a lot of difference, yes, because it's much easier. It's also the cost is much lower, mm-hmm. and so it has to be for everybody. So because people are going in with the ski boots, people coming with, uh, especially in summertime, with kids for the museum for this, and so it's a different concept.
1: You know, you were you were talking a little bit earlier about no waste, because uh, I think a lot of people when they talk about sustainable cooking, you know, one one of the conversations I love talking about is the the waste factor, because I think it's it's difficult. So what happens? Um, I mean, how, how 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 is that in your kitchen?
0: Um,
2: well, also there we we, we, changed it, we turned it around,
0: because mm-hmm. it
2: doesn't make any sense for me to, to do my normal kitchen and then having a lot of waste and trying, trying to think about what can I do with the waste. Mm-hmm. Now we do the recipes, and uh, like we have one, one dish, it's, it's, it was the first really dish what we started to do in this concept. It's a, a white fish tartar, but there we really put the fish on the table. We said, okay, we are not stopping. Before, we didn't use everything from this fish, but in the recipe. And not that we had to do extra recipes afterwards to use it, no. Okay. The recipe had to be done 100% on just this product. So the white fish, got uh, uh, it's a local fish, it's a freshwater fish, and it has a very, nice, very thin skin and very thin scales. So we take first the scales off, we clean them, we wash them, we dry them, we deep fry them, mm. and then we use them as a crunchy part. The same thing we do with the skin. So we, we dry, we deep fry them, and then we use it as a crunchy part. Then we take the, the meat off. The meat we do marinating, and then we use it for um, as a tartare marinated. Then the bones and the head, we, we saute them really, really strong, and then we make a classic bourbon out of it. So we really started. We used everything, so in the end, we are just throwing away the bones, the leftover from the bones, that's it. But also the juice and also the, the, the taste we took already out before. And then we, we had a little bit of dill oil made in the, in the same way, as I said before, you know, with the, with the grapeseed oil as a base. So you get the beautiful color and you really have the dill. And the dill anyway grows close to the river close to the lake. And so you have a whole concept and you use everything. So all the dishes are made in this way.
1: So you also mentioned, um, and I'm really looking forward to trying that out, um, because I I remember I was up on the mountain this morning and I was like, what is that place? Uh, And now I'm very, very curious. But you mentioned to me that um, this concept, this Cook the Mountain concept is something that also started you thinking in another direction and you're doing consultation in Venice for a project at the Iman called Cook the Lagoon. Because you can't do Cook the Mountain in New York City. You can't do Cook the Mountain everywhere.
2: No, I don't want, because it doesn't make any sense. Because then we would do the same thing, what I said, I don't want to do it.
1: Exactly. Because
2: then I would take the products from the mountains and fly them around the world. It doesn't make any sense for me. But you know, the the great thing about Cook the Mountain, about the philosophy, about the base of Cook the Mountain, you can do, as I said, Cook the Lagoon. You can do all those things and it, and, and it, and it works, because it really works and... Uh,
1: well, you can take that that mentality, the philosophy, anywhere. Yeah,
2: so we, we are using the product just from the lagoon. So we have the farmers there from the lagoon, we have the castraura, we have the mojkia, we have all the vegetables, all the fish, all all the products product from, from that area. Just when you start to think in this way and when you start to work in this way, you really can change something because then you are not moving around products around the world. You are using the products from there And the most important thing is, this, uh, as I said before, there's two important things. One, you show young people that they can go to three stars with a concept which is the nature around you, number one. And number two is really that you're going to maintain the culture. Because we, doing Cook the Mountain, we learned so much about culture. That we, we didn't know. I, I mean, I was born here and I didn't know before, but now, you know, talking with the old farmers, talking with all the with, uh, with, uh, people and using the knowledge what they had, and we realized that we, we didn't do anything, anything new. But we are going to lose those things, and this is, this is a pity, pity. This is what really makes a, a country, especially like Italy, very interesting.
1: I fully agree, and I think, you know, it's, it's nice. I, I think I'm slowly seeing. Um, there's a, there's a chef in Rome who's doing something very similar uh, in the sense he's he's really focusing on Rome Lazio products um, and, and within the pasta culture of Rome, which is really, really nice to see. And he's very involved in foraging. And I think for a long time, these were things, you know, it was, you know, we, we've known that Italy has so many amazing, aside from traditions, but it just has everything, you know, you go to Sicily, and the amount of produce there is incredible, you know, you're in Emilia-Romagna, and like you are but this to me, I think, is even more fascinating, because I, I think one of the things about mountains, in my opinion, is that, you know, it's not seasonal, <laughs> it's, I mean, well, it's, mount- you know, it's very
0: strictly, se- you know. It's mount, <laughs>
2: mountain, bro, is the, it's, the, it's the toughest place. Yeah. Because it's, uh, this is, I mean, this is the worst place where you can do a, pro- a project like this, because four months per year, you get
1: nothing. Yeah, I mean so it's.
2: Or you fill up the storage room by yourself, otherwise you are running out of products, and this is what happened to me the first year because I started in summertime we cooked a mountain, and I, it was really great. You know, summertime you have products, you can do, you can change, you can this, and then I then then I arrived when then winter time arrived and I had no products. So what did you do? So I had to take a step back, and then do recreate everything. You know, as I said before, you know, you have to. You have to, to work, because like was the, the project with the, with the no greenhouses, then you have to tell the farmers half a year before what they have to plant next year so that they can work in wintertime and doing in winter time the seeds and then they have to plant them in, in, in spring. And so you have to, you have to think in a totally different way. You have to think always half a year, a year in advance. We are using a lot of Asian influence, so we are using soya sauce, mm-hmm. but made by us. We're doing a soya sauce. So where are you growing cannot, the soya? No, no, we cannot even call it soya sauce because <laughs> it's made out of mountain lentils. But oh. it, it tastes exactly like soya sauce. Oh, wow. But, you know, to make a sauce like this takes you three to four years, three to five years. So it's completely different. You know, we do miso, but we do miso with chickpeas. We do kimchi, we do koji, we do all those all those, all those work, all those preparations, but we do it always with local products. So the... The, the view is totally different now. Now, you can, now can, you can really do lots of things, lots of things. And, and uh, this was great. This is great now, today. But and you have I, to learn how to deal with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, must, that must, you know, it must be really an incredible, great learning experience. I mean, I'm sure there probably were frustrations, but it just sounds like, I mean, every day it feels like there must be something new that you're figuring out.
2: What we are working is we are starting now to work this summer on a project with the bees. Ah. So we have uh, farm. We have I found uh, a farmer who got around twenty four acres of fa- fa- uh, farmland up on uh, on two thousand meter over the sea level, and so we are starting to work on this product which is amazing because I mean the, the bees they are going to change the world. Well, yeah. the, if you don't have the bees, there's nothing is growing, and so so this is you know it never stops. This now, is crazy.
1: Now, do you have um, here at, in San Cachado and Rosalpina? Do you have like an orto or anything, or you're completely working with
2: so. No, I have no orto because I don't even have the time. We don't have the time. We have a little bit of herbs, yes, but, uh, I mean, it would be the wrong thing to say orto. But, you know, this is, uh, like, last year we had a problem with with one farmer, and he said, I cannot produce for you the amount anymore what you need. Mm -hmm. I have to hire people. And I said to him, no, 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 no. You don't have to hire people for me. You invite couple of friends of you who are working in the same direction or who are thinking the same direction, then we do a meeting and we see how we can we can we can work with the products around. so we did one one Sunday a meeting with uh, all of them we were sitting around the table with uh, ten five ten people, and we were talking okay what your farmland did you use it one hundred percent or you have still some place left you 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 and so we 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 did the production we we moved the production around, and then it's uh now everybody's happy and he doesn't he doesn't have to hire people because I said you know you have always took care when you have when you hire people, you have to pay them, and you know maybe you have a bad summer, you cannot pay them, and I don't want to do this, and also you know when they want to sell to other people to other restaurants, I help them. You know, when other people call me or other chefs call me and they ask, "Well, you buy this? I say, Here, go. Because, you know, it can happen something with me. Then you're running out of business. I mean, one guy who is, who is today probably one of the most important farmers for us, he wanted to stop to work on his farm because he was producing milk. And he said, well, I cannot feed my family with this. I stop. I go to the factory to work there and I leave the land there. He said, no, 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 work for us. And you will see it works out. We give him today from five to 10,000 euro per month in vegetables. Oh, wow. That's a lot of money. And we give it to him directly. So there is no middleman. There is nobody taking money. You know, so It's very complicated sometimes because sometimes I have to go to pick up the product. Like today, this is why I'm late. I had to, to go to a cheese producer because we need... Uh, goat milk, we need cow milk, and we have uh, we have some recipes, and they are not working with the normal milk. We have to have to the really good quality. And so I had to go there, I had to pick it up, I had to find him because he wasn't there. I was running behind him and this and this and this and this. But it's good, it's great.
0: It
1: must be, it must be really fulfilling. And I think it must be great to see that you're... I mean, this is already a very tight community. From my experience in San Vigilio, in this whole area. There's small, small towns, very tight community, everybody knows everybody, but you're, you're really reinvesting in the community and helping the community work together as a team. Which, yes. Which I think is, I mean, I think that's really beautiful. I think, I think that's, some, that's kind, it's an element, that, that's the way I think things used to be, and I think it's an element that is missing.
2: To feed 10 billion people on long terms, you can do it just with small producers. You cannot feed them with monoculture. It doesn't work. It's not going to work, and we know that it's not going to work because there's uh, studies, and they show it that it doesn't going to work. Because the problem is when you the problem is the soil. If you put monocultures in, you have first year you do probably double, then with the normal culture, with the permaculture. Then the second year is a little less, third year is less, and fourth year is gone. Right. And when you work in this in, in this consequence like we are doing, you really can you can you can work it. You just have to follow the rules of the nature. You know, you have to turn around potatoes this year, you grow them here. Next year you grow them there. The year after you grow them there. Tomatoes one year here, the next year there, the next year there. So when you do this not natural circle and we, when you work in the old tradition ways, the soil has always mm. the same consistency. And has always the same values. And this is the important thing. And so long term, this is the only way to feed 10 billion people in a decent way and in a healthy way.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafierpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at Ericafierpo. Ciao bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta and Disc to Disc Studios. The producers of Chow Bella who continue to make me sound and feel great.